Well, praise the Lord. I missed you last week as uh, our dear friend Jay Threadgill was here from Haiti. We were waiting on a little baby to be born, and she came Sunday night about 12 o'clock at midnight. And, uh, but let me show you a little picture or two here. This is our, our, our mid, middle daughter, middle child Bethany. Her name is Mia, and everybody's healthy. And uh, she was a little bitty thing, six pounds, three ounces. But uh, see the picture on the right? She's smiling. Do you know why? Now, who's thinking she has gas? I want to see your hand right now because you don't know. She's thinking about me. I have the gift of interpretation. I, she is thinking about me. First time I held her, I looked at those little eyes, and she's just beaming at me, and I'm beaming at her. She told me, she said, outside of my mommy and daddy, you're my favorite. Honey, I'm sorry you had to hear that in front of everybody. All right, kidding aside, uh, turn your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6. We are finishing today a series that we have been doing called Spiritual Terrorism. It's worth going back. It's the longest series I've ever done. It's taken 10 weeks to do it, but we've been talking about a battle with an unseen enemy. The Bible teaches that Satan is real, demons are real. Uh, there's not a demon under every seat, but it could be one under the seat and the person behind you. In other words, demons are, their activity is real on the earth. Now, secular America dismisses the whole notion. Uh, I don't much care about secular America. When uh, you uh, come here on Sunday morning, it is a great privilege to have the honor of standing before you, but a great responsibility to teach you what the Bible has to say about any given subject. If you want to hear about current events, go somewhere else. If you want to hear the latest jokes and Reader's Digest, maybe somewhere else. But I'm going to do my best every week to teach you what the Bible has to say on given subjects. And the subject this morning I'm going to talk about is Satan in the last days. I want to read our text for the whole series, Ephesians 6:11. Put on all of God's armor, imagine the Roman soldier, so you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies in other words the people uh, you may look at some decisions that are made politically or otherwise you may look at violence and you might say gosh what's wrong with that person well they made a choice but it's quite possible they're being influenced by evil notice what it says we're fighting against flesh not fighting against flesh and blood but against notice three times evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So with that context, the Christian is called to war, not a war with an AK-47, but a war as we've taught in previous messages about how to fight that war with prayer and our discernment and different things. But today I want to talk specifically about Satan in the last days. Uh, the last days refers to a term in Scripture that began uh, after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Peter gave this prophecy that he talked about the last days God would pour out his spirit. And ever since that early New Testament church, the last days have been getting shorter and shorter and shorter. In other words, we are going towards the culmination of time, the second coming of Christ and the return of the Lord. So today I want to talk about several things. I want to talk about life here on earth and how people are behaving, uh, how it could be satanically inspired. Uh, I want to talk about what Jesus had to say about deception. I want to talk to you about uh, what the, uh, the Bible teaches about the persecution of the church in the last days. I want to teach you about the Antichrist how Satan influences what will one day be a one-world leader, and that's going to be pretty heavy stuff. Uh, but uh, we're going to celebrate at the end. You want to put on your dancing shoes because we're going to see uh, at the end uh, God, God throws Satan into the pit of hell. It's over, and how many know we live eternity without all the pain and hardship and suffering? But until that time, we are in a battle. Uh, yesterday, Lanella and I watched a portion of a movie. It was supposedly true, but it was about the war in Afghanistan and some rangers were being sent, they're being sent out to fight the Taliban and their helicopter was going to drop them off on this mountain peak. But before they got in the helicopter, the, the, the officer that was in charge began to tell them about their enemy. He began to tell them about the weaponry that he used. He talked about the weather. He talked about obstacles and what they would have to do and be to be able to win. 
Well, that's how I see myself uh, today, is telling you what's going to happen in the last days and how we should respond to it as believers in Christ. Uh, The title is simply Satan in the Last Days. And uh, my truth of this morning is very plain and simple. I want to convince you from the Bible that Satan is indeed actively involved in our world today, but yet we as believers will have ultimate victory. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let's begin 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, I'm going to have four longer passages of Scripture, so I'm going to do a lot of reading today, and we'll let the Bible speak for itself. But this first one, 2 Timothy 3, Paul described people in the last days under the influence of the evil one. Uh, He says, in the last days will be difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. Now, what I want to pause, you to pause and think with me a moment. In this passage, we won't see the name Satan. You won't see devil. You won't see Lucifer. But what you will see is you will be, see behavior that is aligned with the influence of evil. And I want to suggest to you that much of the behavior we see in the world today is affected or somehow inspired by or pushed into by Satan himself. Uh, much like he did Judas. Remember when we started this series, we read the scripture that said Satan entered Judas. He tempted him with money. You remember? And what did he do? He betrayed Jesus. Satan wanted to, someone to betray Jesus. He jingled some coins and he led, he, led, uh, uh, he led Judas to do it. Well, same thing is happening, I think, in the world around us. Uh, in the last days, people will love only themselves and their money. Well, how should a Christian behave? I mean, no, Christians, we don't love just ourselves. We're called to love our neighbor as our, love God first and love our neighbor as ourself. But yet the world loves only themselves and their money. As a Christian, I realize that money can be an idol and I enjoy money. I do with it what, what, what I can, but I don't, money's not everything to me. I don't live every waking moment thinking about how I'm going to get more. And when I get it, I do whatever I want to with it. That's the world. That's Satan's influence. In the world, the next uh, phrase, they're boastful and proud. Well, it's not hard to find proud people, proudful people, whether it's on the athletic fields or whether it's the politician or whether it's the TV news commentator or whether it's the actress in Hollywood uh, looking down on people. I mean, no Christians are supposed to be humble. We recognize that every source of everything good in our life is from God. You get the picture how the flow is here? The world has a certain set of behavior, but you and I are different. Listen to the world. They scoff at God. To scoff at God means to laugh at him. Uh, there was a, uh, there was a, oh, this has been a number of years ago, but the National Endowment of the Arts promoted a piece of art called P-I-S-S Christ and they took a jar of urine and placed a crucifix upside down in it and said that that was art. Well, how many know the world is like that? Uh, I mean, it's not just a tolerance of God or things of God or Jesus. It's an outright hatred. Uh, It goes on to say they'll consider it nothing sacred. They'll be disobedient to their parents. Think about how many TV shows. Someone told me the other day that uh, there was a TV show. uh, uh, I don't want to call the channel because I'm not sure. But they said uh, the parent told the kid to do something. And on the TV show, another adult told the child, you don't have to do it because mommy's not here and I'm not going to tell her. And the little kid just went off and did what they said, whatever they wanted to. That's how the world is instructing children. But what do you and I do? We honor our parents. It's one of the Ten Commandments. As children, we obey them. Uh, ungrateful. Uh, how many know we live in a world that tells us everything is owed to us? Uh, this is what's happened is socialism finds its way into our culture. We become entitled to it. But how many know the Christian is different? We're grateful. We're grateful for everything. We don't feel like it belongs to us or simply because we're who we are. Um, the world will consider nothing sacred, unloving, unforgiving. Imagine how the gang activity would change across America and all the violence and shooting if rather than being vengeful and vindictive and, and hating because of what someone did yesterday, if the trend would shift and we would love people who were unloving and forgive them. Uh, in the world, they slander others. They speak evil of them. Look on Facebook. Uh, they have no self-control. 
uh, I, I see it seems to be more frequently when someone wants to protest. They take their top off. They take their clothes off. They just do what they want to do. I mean, life has no boundaries. I am who I am. I can do what I want. Nobody can say anything. Well, how many know as Christians it's opposite? I mean, the Holy Spirit grants us the capacity to have self-control. Uh, in the world, people will be cruel. They'll hate what is good. The violence, even of our video games, there just seems like there's a, there's a, a growing hatred. Think of what, uh, I guess, culture or politics has done to the racial issue in America. I mean, golly, it's like people are being taught to, to hate one another today. And, and, and you might have done nothing wrong to someone of a different race, but yet simply because of the color of your skin, you're deemed as bad or you're deemed as part of the problem. It's just like it's all messed up out there. Well, I want to suggest to you, just as Judas was influenced by Satan to betray Christ, just as Eve was influenced by the serpent to give in to temptation, just as David was influenced by satanic Satan and lust to fall, give away to Bathsheba, that same sense of evil is influencing people in the world today. It could be through songs we listen to, through television. It could be something that we're taught in the media or, or even on a college campus. How many, know, how many know violence is openly advocated in our culture today? Even politicians advocate for violence. They advocate for lying. They advocate for lawlessness. This is a part of our culture, and this is endemic of the last days in which we live. Satan's behind it. Uh, Jesus warned us about deception in the last days. I want to go to Matthew chapter 24. Now, Matthew 24, uh, Mark 13, and Luke 21 are three parallel passages where Jesus gives a lengthy exposition of what life is going to be like in the last days. Notice Matthew 24, and the key word here is deception. It is the most frequently co quoted term that I'll use in verses today. Ten different times we'll see the word deception in Scripture as, as indicative of the last days. Jesus was asked by the disciples uh, what would signal his return and the end of the world. Now, how many know there's nothing more important than that? Now, climate alarmists will tell us, you know, that if we don't stop our carbon footprint, you know, the world is going to come to an end or whatever the case is. I don't know that I buy all that, but the end of the world is, 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 is a reality. The second coming of Christ. Every person in this room should live with an awareness. Everyone listening online should live with an awareness that one day Jesus will come back. And one day the things that matter on this earth won't matter anymore. It's kind of like what we're headed towards. Um, have, you, have you ever, you remember if you had a, a surgery scheduled and let's say it's scheduled three weeks a day and you try to ignore it, but you know it's in the back of your mind. Uh, let's say you're getting your wisdom teeth out and you know, you know we're going in and you heard all these horror stories and it's kind of a countdown and it's finally the last day and, 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 and then you show up there. Well, in the same way, how many know we're heading towards a day where we're going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. And the, Jesus said in verse 4, about the end times, the first thing he said was, don't let anyone mislead you. A synonym for deception. Don't let anyone deceive you. First thing he said, he says, many are going to come in my name claiming to be saying that I am the Messiah. A Messiah is a deliverer. Now, in secular America today, I want to suggest to you that both the Messiah and the prophet doesn't have to be necessarily religious, but it could be someone in our culture that's offering what the Messiah offers. Salvation, I'll help you. I'll help you with your money. I'll help you with your problems. I'll help you with your disease. I'll take care of you. But notice what it says. Those claiming to be Messiah will deceive many. Verse 11, he says, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Well, what does a prophet do? A, a prophet speaks in the name of God, a biblical prophet, but would it fair, be fair to say a prophet tells you things to come and what to do? Well, sure. Is it possible today that we have secular prophets on the television defining the news for us? 
Is it possible that we have secular prophets today in the, in the, uh, the classrooms across America, particularly college classrooms, telling us that there is no God, telling us that the universe was not created by God, ha, 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 but the universe is either self-existing or the universe is uh, 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 created itself or itself existing. Is it possible that secular professionals in our world today appear to us with the same voice, messianic voice uh, of, of a prophet. I think that's what people are looking for in their politicians today because we realize how much trouble the world is in. We realize our, our economy cannot go on in perpetuity like it is today. Now they're supposedly passing another $1.2 trillion. Uh, they're talking about another $3.4 trillion. You don't have to be an educated person to know that that cannot go on forever. Inflation, the value of our money, and we're looking for answers. People around the world are looking for food and famine. Right now, people are looking for answers for COVID. We've looked to Dr. Fossey and other people to tell us what to do and show us the right way to go. And these men and women, almost in the name of science or experience or whatever the case, and knowledge, almost become godlike in their in their proclamations, but you know what? It never includes anything about Jesus, the Savior of the world. I've heard a lot of things about COVID. I've heard a lot of convincing arguments why you should get vaccinated, a lot of convincing arguments why you shouldn't get vaccinated. I've heard that you need to be taking vitamin D, vitamin C. Uh, what else, honey? Uh, Oh, zinc, zinc, zinc. They're all going to help you. Some people suggest ivermectin can help you not to get it. Or if you, I mean, there's all these things out there. Uh, now we're being told first the vaccines were going to protect us. And now you have to wear the mask because people with vaccines are getting it. And it's just as confusing. But you know what? I have not heard one person say in authority, maybe God has allowed this pestilence to come to the earth. And maybe we need as, as the nations of the world to return to God. Maybe we need to ask God to forgive us. Maybe we need to ask the great physician to come and intercede on our behalf. You don't hear that from the modern-day prophets. Um, anyway, this word deceive, it means to mislead, to cause to believe what is false, to disbelieve what is true. And the power behind deception in the last days is Satan himself. Listen to Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. The great dragon, that ancient serpent called the devil or... Satan. Now notice what it says. The one who is deceiving. deceiving the whole world. You say, well, Pastor, what kind of deception is, is Satan doing? Uh, well, do you think maybe when you hear voices that say there's no such thing as heaven, there's no such thing as hell, do you think that's a deceptive voice? Do you think it's a deceptive voice that tells you there's no such thing as absolute truth? Do you think it's a deceptive voice that tells you about the path to happiness that might involve abuse, uh, that might involve abusing a child, that might involve divorcing and remarriage or having an open marriage or not even getting married, just, you know, sleep with as many people as you want to, just use a condom? Do you think, do you think it may be some deception in these everyday areas of our life. I mean, we see it normalized in television. We see it normalized in movies and people of credibility back it. Well, I suggest to you this is exactly what we're talking about. Second uh, Corinthians 11 says this deception not only comes from the secular world, but it comes from the religious world. Second Corinthians 11 says these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. And then he goes on to say, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. What would, a, what would a false apostle say today? A false apostle today might say, There's, there are many ways to heaven. I've heard pastors, Christian pastors say that. There's many ways to heaven. Uh, there's no such place as hell. Now, you can say that and even hold a Bible, but how many know you're not telling the truth of God's word? How many know when whole denominations have shifted away from God's standard of marriage between a man and a woman? How many know that's not biblical? And what it does is it comes from the mouth of religious people. Anyway, it's out there in the world. Let me, let me give, let's look specifically because how do we respond to deception? How do I keep myself from being deceived? And friend, the answer is a simple one. Simply know the truth of the Bible and do what it says. 
That's why I encourage you every day to read your Bible. We have a, a Bible reading portion on our app where you can join me and read a couple of chapters a day. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and truth is what sets you free. Let me give you a modern-day example of how deception in our culture. Uh, let's talk about gender confusion just a moment. If you recognize this person, they're a biological man from New Zealand, competed in the uh, weightlifting uh, in the Olympics uh, as a woman, and the Olympic Committee uh, allowed that to happen. Uh, they have certain, I think, testosterone levels that they are concerned about, but they allow that to happen. And here's a big shocker. This is a headline about the American Medical Association. If there's an institution in our country that I have trusted and relied on in terms of what's going to be safe for my medical care and the health of my family, it's the American Medical Association. But now they're saying remove sex from public birth certificates. In other words, little Mia's birth certificate don't have a place to mark male or female. Now, what's going on? It's either right, the direction we're heading in is either right or we're being deceived. Um, Jesus, or scripture says in, in uh, Genesis, God created man in his own image, male, say it with me, male and female, he created them. And that was recognized since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. Now think about that. We're not taught to think critically today. We're taught today to just have feelings and be compassionate about people. But from the beginning of time, men and women were viewed as men and women. But it's not happening any longer today. Uh, uh, it's not happening in our world. And I wonder, could this be part of the deception Jesus is talking about? Yeah. In the last 10 years, the whole issue of gender has become in the forefront. Yesterday, our Texas governor asked Child Protective Services, is it child abuse to do therapies or surgeries on children that mutilate their bodies or give them hormones that science has proven that will cause them to be more apt to have strokes and have other problems in their life. Does a 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old need to make that kind of decision? But in our world today, it's being pushed in such a strong way. Listen, uh, even our psychiatric association for years recognized it as gender confusion and people that are confused should be helped to find their way, not given what Facebook... I asked the prophetess Siri, uh, how many genders were offered on Facebook? She told me there were 58. I, I looked at some of them. It confuses me to even read the list. So what am I saying today? First of all, let me say this. God loves every person across the spectrum, and I and our church love every person across the spectrum. But there is right and there is wrong. There is truth and there's deception. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to stick with his word, yeah. not the word of culture. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Uh, uh, tell your neighbor, I didn't realize we were going to be this, this uh, deep today. Revelation chapter 2, let's talk about Satan's attack against the church in the last days. Now, I realize the book of Revelation has a multitude of interpretations. Uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of getting a good study Bible. The favorite Bible that I recommend is called the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. And we just bought a couple more cases. They're for sale at our cost in the Connect Room. I would get me one of those. It is a great study Bible from the Spirit-Filled Life perspective, scholarly, well done. And uh, it helps you dig deeper into the Bible. But there's a lot of ways to interpret the book of Revelation. And I realize mine may not be perfect. Uh, if you read in that study Bible that I referenced, uh, I think there's seven or eight different interpretations of the book of Revelation. So it can be a little bit confusing, but I'm going to share with you what I believe is, is correct as I understand it, and it has continuity to it as well. Now, there are seven churches in Revelation that the book was written to, seven churches in the book of Revelation. These churches certainly were churches that were in Asia Minor when it was written, but they're also churches that could be expressed, I think, across the church age. And the same thing that we see happening here is the same thing that can happen in the church today. Let's look at one, Revelation 2.8, the church in Smyrna. He says, I know the slander of those opposing you. They say they're Jews, but they're not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Isn't that the oddest thing? A church, a Jewish synagogue, but let's say a church was actually a church of Satan. Now, that didn't mean that they worshiped Satan. 
but it means they were deceived in such a degree that Satan was getting his work done through this church. Four of the seven churches in Revelation, Satan is mentioned. Now, notice what they do. The religious people in this case, they slandered the Bible believer, the Christ follower. And have you noticed that in the case today? Right now, Christians are being divided over the major social issues. Right now, whole denominations are splitting over the issue of uh, uh, same-sex marriage or traditional marriage. Uh, you know, can, can someone uh, in, a, in a, uh, uh, a non-biblical pursuit of sexuality, can they be a leader in the church or can they not? Uh, uh, accommodating gender choices in bathrooms and churches. And every, uh, what this is doing is it's splitting, it's splitting people that call themselves Christian. What I suggest to you, the big difference is, is some believe the Bible is the literal word of God and some are swayed to the pull of culture and the Bible is discounted and culture is elevated. And that's the root of the problem today. And if you believe the Bible, I will suggest to you that you will be slandered more and more. You will be spoken evil of more and more. And quite coincidentally, you'll be called, you'll be said to have hate speech. You'll be said to be a bigot simply, simply because you believe the Bible and have a loving heart and want to see people go to heaven and be right with God, but the world will put you in a box. Well, this is what's happening here. Notice it gets worse. Look at verse 10. Don't be afraid of what you're about to... I see only one person said that. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. Now, think about that. The devil will throw me in prison? In other words, this guy that's red, that has a pointy, you know, a pointy thing on his head and, and a big tail and, and a red fork is going to stick me in jail. No, there's going to be officers of the state because you're a threat to the state. They will put you in jail and Satan is behind it. Notice it says the devil will throw some of you in prison. You'll suffer for 10 days, but if you remain what? Faithful. This is our response to it all. Faithful to God. I don't like this, but even when facing death, I'll give you the crown of life. Now, the question has to become is, what's more important, the crown of life, eternity with Christ, or going into making the world happy and going along with the world? Uh, do you realize today, and this is well-researched, there's over 250 million Christians that live under persecution every day. Most are in Muslim nations around the world, the jihadist Muslim states, but 250 million Christians. Christians are martyred for their faith in Christ every day. Listen, I don't like to think about it. I pray it never happens to me. I pray it never happens to you or my children. But what I am telling you, in the last days, evil is going to get worse and worse. And there's going to be a cost to be a Christian. Listen to what Jesus said in Jesus, Matthew 24, again, the last days chapter. Jesus just said it. I mean, he didn't waste didn't mince any words. He said, you're going to be arrested, persecuted, and killed. <laughs> Who wants to hear that? I do if I had to face it. I do if America changed. You know, forget Republican and Democrat just a second. Prevent, forget a second, Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump. There's a big difference between the last presidential uh, um, campaign, not campaign, but uh, administration in this one. The last campaign seemed to be uh, more upholding of American sovereignty and religious freedom in particular. This administration is much more concerned about being a part of the global community it's less concerned about religious freedom. And here's what religious freedom is. It's not just to come to church on Sunday. Religious freedom is what the doctor and nurse have when they're told to, they have to participate in performing an abortion, but it's against their conscience. Religious freedom, and do you know it's written, already written, and in some laws that are proposing to be, um, you know, proposing to be made into law, there are people that want that to happen. That some uh, uh, um, uh, oh, people that dispense drugs, Pharmacists. Some pharmacists, of, for conscience sake, don't want to distribute the morning after pill. Well, that's a religious freedom. It's easy to just have another pharmacist do it, but that's not what our world says. Our world says, you will do it. And this is, this is the world that we're in today. And we seem on a trajectory that's moving towards these last days. Jesus said, all this will happen. You'll be hated because you're my followers. Now, I don't know about you, but how many people want people to like them? Okay, so I'm assuming all the rest of you want people to hate you. Is that right? 
how big is the crowd that wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I asked? <laughs> Listen, most people want to be liked. I tell you what, I got an email the other day from someone that had read me wrong and uh, had misinterpreted who I was by two, two statements that I made. And it bothered me for four days. I grieved over it for four days. I want people to like me. But I'm just telling you, sometimes if you're going to be a true Jesus follower, doesn't mean you're narrow-minded, doesn't mean you're bigoted, doesn't mean you're self-righteous. They just hate the Jesus in you. And that's what Jesus is saying. Now, our response to all this in verse 13, Jesus said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. So I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to get tough and hang in there if it comes to me. You know, I, I've got a foot. Remember when you, if you played sports and uh, you knew the other team was maybe a little bigger than you and they were knocking you around a little bit and the coach would come in the, at halftime and he'd say, look, guys, you're going to step it up a notch because I know you got it in you. You're not going to go out there. You're not going to lay down in front of that big lineman. You're not going to lay down in front of the big center that's been popping, you know, blocking you all night long. You're going to go out there. I believe in you. And those kids got pumped up and they went back to the battle. I don't know about you, but I want to endure to the end. I don't want to give up. I don't want to turn my back on Jesus when it gets hard. But he didn't stop there. He said the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, and then the end will come. What does that mean? The world may get darker and more difficult, but for you and I as the Christian, we are going to serve God. Listen, we're going to bring the gospel to the whole world. I, listen, our Bible fund, your giving has built up as you designate for Bibles. We've got about $8,000. I called a, a friend that has Global Advance, and they're in the persecuted church. And I said, find us some Christians that don't have Bibles somewhere in the world and let us go and make a difference in their world for God. This is what we do as Christians. And how many know that's what it means to be a believer in the last days? Come on, somebody give the Lord a, a good hand. Let me give you another one. Satan and the Antichrist. Matthew 24, and again, I realize there's different interpretations for this as well, but I'll suggest to you reasons why I've given the one that I have. Jesus now talking about the last days says, when you see the abomination of desolation, abomination means something that is disgusting and desecrating. Desolation, it's referring to the Jewish temple. It means that God leaves it. God is no longer there. So something will happen that desecrates the temple. Uh, Daniel the prophet prophesied it. Verse 16, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. There'll be great tribulation. Have you ever read through the book of Revelation and seen that there are seven years of tribulation, great tribulation like the world has never seen? Well, the Antichrist is a part of this, and it's going to be as worse as it's ever been in the world. Now, the Jews remember the desecration of the temple because in 168 B.C., a Greek king named Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, he went in and he erected an altar to Zeus in the Jewish temple, and he also killed a pig, uh, uh, an animal sacrifice of a pig on the Jewish altar. He desecrated that altar. So they knew what this meant. But Jesus is not referring to what was back then. He's looking ahead to the future. Now, uh, I believe this denomination, and I'll prove it to you, is caused by a figure in Scripture called the Antichrist. He is a one-world dictator. He will make an image of himself to be worshipped in the temple. And it appears very clear to me that just like Satan entered Judas, you remember when Judas betrayed Jesus? Satan will enter the Antichrist and he will be a pawn in his hand. Let me get more specific. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul the Apostle says, let's clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That day, the second coming of Christ, will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. The man of lawlessness is the Antichrist. Now let's listen to what the Bible says about this man. He will exalt himself. Now, most scholars believe this is a one-world political leader, and he will be elevated in the world, and the whole world will look to him for leadership. 
He might have a council that surrounds him. He might have a group of leaders like the European Union right now or a group of leaders like the North American Union that we had at one time. But this time it will be a one world gathering that all the world will look to him. It says he will exalt himself. He'll defy everything that people call God. In other words, he'll throw your Bibles away. He will probably make the Bible illegal, uh, illegal to have, not just illegal to put up the Ten Commandments on school walls, but illegal to own. Uh, notice he will sit in the temple of God. Do you realize there's no Jewish temple now? It was destroyed in AD 70 by the uh, Emperor Titus, which suggests that the Jews will rebuild their temple in the last days. Again, different interpretations over this, but it makes a lot of sense to me in the continuity of Scripture. There will be a rebuilt Jewish temple. They will resume their Jewish sacrifices as if Jesus never came, Orthodox Judaism, but the Antichrist will step into this temple and he will say that he is God. This is what's coming to the world. This man will do the work of who? Satan. And he will have counterfeit power and signs and miracles. In other words, he'll do miracles. Maybe he'll make the blind see. Maybe he'll raise the dead. Maybe with, I don't know what, some word or whatever, he'll cause COVID to be ended. But he'll have supernatural power. Uh, and notice what it says, verse 10. He'll use every kind of evil, what's the word? deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. In other words, the followers of Christ know the difference between right and wrong, truth and error, but this antichrist will delude people, they will be deceived, and they will reject the way of salvation. If you've ever talked to somebody about Jesus and they laughed in your face, or if they, you talk to somebody about Jesus and they said, I believe in science, I don't believe in God, what they have done, they are rejecting the one true God. This is what will happen in the last days. Now let's go one step deeper, Revelation chapter 13. The book of Revelation is a book of end time events. In verse 1 it says this, John said, I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. The beast, most scholars believe, is the Antichrist. The sea is the sea of humanity. So out of the sea of humanity, a one-world political leader will arise. Uh, the dragon, that Satan, gave the beast, the Antichrist. Satan gives the beast his power and throne and great authority. This is a one-world leader. When you think about authority today, let's just look at the COVID crisis just a minute. And first of all, let me say, I believe it's real. I, I, listen, there's something out there. I got sick from it last January. I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. I had someone that, well, there was a police officer in our community, died from it uh, just a few days ago. Uh, there's been eight people in our church that have had it on this second go-round, and thankfully they're all okay. But it's a real deal that's out there. But what, 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 what I'm watching is I'm seeing is how the, we're, we're getting around solutions that are bigger and global than anything that I've seen. We see companies saying, if you don't get the vaccine, you can't work here. If you don't get the vaccine, you can't fly on an airplane. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, uh, nations are making whole decisions about how they're going to do it. And it's like the World Health Organization has this umbrella over it all. Well, do you see that maybe a crisis like that could precipitate the Antichrist and he'll work in the same way, but he'll have authority. People won't have options. Let me keep reading. They worship the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worshiped the beast. The beast, this Antichrist, spoke great blasphemies against God. He was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months, three and a half years during the Great Tribulation. And the beast was allowed, I don't like this, to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. What does that mean? That means, that means Bible believers. That means Christians will be suffering and the prayer for deliverance won't be answered. They're going to go through a fiery time. He goes on to say, um, he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. He'll rule over America, Canada, Mexico, Guatemala. Uh, he'll, 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 he'll rule over every nation in Africa, every nation in the Middle East. All the people, and here's the key, who belong to this world will worship the beast. 
Now, here's some good news. They're the ones whose names were not written in the book of life. Now, I've got some good news for you. If your name is written in the book of life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, you're on the winning side. You may go through some difficulties, but I'm telling you, friend, you've got someone that's going to stick close to you, that's going to stick by you. The Lord Jesus Christ will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You say, Pastor, you've been scaring me. I don't know if I could put up with all that. Well, I'll tell you what, friends. Stephen maybe didn't know if he could put up with it when they were about to stone him. But in the Bible, this deacon, when they were throwing rocks at him, he looked up to heaven and said, I see Jesus, come on now, standing at the right hand of God. There was a grace, a grace that came to him. Jesus said, in the last days, they'll bring you before authorities. Don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you in that hour words to say. I'm telling you, friends, it might be tough on earth, but we know someone that's tougher. Come on now. We know someone that can give us strength, someone that can give us peace, someone that can give us wisdom as we go through these horrors. Uh, let me keep reading. It says, uh, uh, anyone, and here's a warning now, anyone who is destined for prison, believers will be taken to prison and anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. I don't like it, but some will. You're saying, whew, I'm sure glad the rapture is going to happen before all that stuff. I sure hope you're true. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> if you put me in a corner, I'd say I agree too. But I'm telling you, some people are going to go through this difficulty, and they're going to go through it with the grace of God. Uh, uh, let me wrap this up. God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Let me tell you this, friends. You and I, it, it, you, you, for, it's going to take God to help us, but I'm telling you, we're going to have to have something about us. We're going to have to have deep roots in God. We're going to have to, something in us, the fighter. Remember the old Rocky movies? They, got, he, they knocked him down, and what would he do? He'd get back up and say, come on, you ain't so bad. We're going to have to have some of that in us, that we stand more for Jesus than the things of the world, that we will not fall away. Um, let me, let, me, let me wrap this up here with Satan's end. I'm, I'm kind of out of time. You could keep reading at home if you're interested. It talks about the mark of the beast. It talks about anybody refusing to worship the beast will die. I mean, it, it, it's pretty tough there. But let me tell you what. My time's about up, and it's time to celebrate, so put on your dancing shoes. <laughs> Remember that old song, Hit the Road, Jack? Joe, how did it go? Come on, sing it so I can sing it with you. Hit the, come on, say it with me. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. Let me tell you where he's fixing to go. Revelation chapter 20, the thousand years came to an end, the millennial reign of Christ. Satan will be let out of his prison. I can't explain it other than to tell you during some lengthy period of time, Satan is in some kind of jail, presumably so much of the earth can come to Christ who lived through the tribulation. But look what he's going to do. As soon as he gets out, verse 8, he's going to go to deceive the, deceive the nations again. He'll gather them together for battle, a mighty army of unbelievers as numberless as the sand along the seashore. They surrounded God's people in the beloved city. Sounds like Jerusalem to me, but I'm not sure. But look what happens now. Here's where your dancing shoes come on. Fire from heaven came down on the attacking army and consumed them. Nobody had to pull out their concealed carry. They were just gone. <laughs> verse 10, and here's my favorite verse of the whole series. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, and they will be tormented day and night. Come on now, forever and ever and ever and ever. If I could summarize time in one minute, I would say it this way. Satan was an angel in heaven. He was an archangel. His name was Lucifer. But he said, I want to be like the most high God. And God cast him down to the earth, and he left his place in heaven. And he dressed up as a serpent somehow, and he came to Eve, and he tempted Eve. And he caused her to follow the dark side, if I can use Star Wars terminology. He caused her to follow the way of evil. And Eve thought about it a little bit. She said, the fruit looks good. I'll take a bite. And when she took a God's promise that you shall surely die was fulfilled. And when that happened, listen, friend, evil was unloosed on the, 
unleashed on the earth. People began to die. People were raped. Babies were, uh, babies were born, stillborn. There was violence on the earth. There was hatred. There was divorce. There was rape. There was murder. There was reasons that we needed law enforcement, reasons we needed jail. There were weather calamities. All that became because of sin. And then people started dying. They might live a long time at first, but sooner or later they would all die. It wouldn't matter how much organic chicken you ate, range-free chicken. It wouldn't matter how many supplements you took. Everybody's headed to death because the wages of sin is death. But a loving God looked down from heaven, a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, the son, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross so he could pay the penalty of our sins. And when we as human beings would come to God, not by doing good works, not by being a Mother Teresa to work our way into heaven, but by simply telling God, God, I have sinned, and will you forgive me? And, we, and I want to turn my heart to follow you, an angel write your name in the book of life and my friend that same God our Savior our Redeemer the one who came to ransom us from the power of sin who sustains us every day of our life the one who be the judge of this world in one verse he took that devil and he said out of here buddy I'm tired of you I'm tired of you harassing me I'm tired of you harassing the people that I have created for to have eternity with all of a sudden he's gone and we'll still there in a real place called heaven and we're going to enjoy him because, listen, friends, Revelation 21 says there's a new heaven and there's a new earth where dwells righteousness. And you and I are destined for that place, friends. We're destined to live eternity with God in a real place called heaven. We will see our mothers, our fathers, our friends who have died before us and gone to be with Christ. But until that time comes, we'll live by two scriptures, one in Romans Say this with me, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It is going to happen soon. And we have victory because the book of Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and we love not our lives unto death. We are overcomers in Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy of our praise, worthy to be adored our Lord and our God. Why don't you stand to your feet? I appreciate the extra couple minutes here, but I want to ask you to stay tuned with me just one more minute before we close today. And you remember when we talked about the book of life. Now I want you to forget about Cracker Barrel just a minute and forget about tacos. But I want to ask you probably the most serious question you've ever been asked in your whole life. Because all I've done today is, is, is I've not read from major periodicals. I've not read from Reader's Digest. I've not, you know, quoted my science teacher. I've simply read Bible verses to you and trying to, trying to make it fit and understand our culture. The Bible says because of our sin, one day we're going to die. And one day we're going to stand before God to give an account for our life. But the good news is there is a way out if we believe and follow Jesus Christ. This idea of a book of life is real. And the moment a person puts their trust in Christ to save them, you become God's son, you become God's daughter. Here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? There's no more important question that can be asked. Nobody can be good enough, nobody is smart enough, Nobody can do enough good works to get to heaven. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the reason Christianity is exclusive is because of what Christ did on the cross. He offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And we simply must believe in him and follow him. If you're here today and you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, you feel like you're the only person in the room, let me tell you what's happening. It's not me, but it's the Holy Spirit trying to pull you to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit trying to bring you to a place where you would pray for God's forgiveness and commit your life to follow Him. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands if you'd like us to pray for you. There's no more decision that's more important than that. I was raised in church. Glad Mom took me. I always believed John 3:16, but I never did anything about it. And I lived a pretty wild life from 17, 18, and 19. But what I found, my life was empty. Something was missing. 
I was on a college scholarship. I was playing ball. I had a couple good-looking girlfriends. had beer in, in the, the trunk. had something to smoke. Everything was great. But something was missing on the inside. Because you see, we're all created with a God-shaped hole in our heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. And I want to tell you today, friends, God wants a personal relationship with each one of us. And it starts with the humble confession that I've sinned. Will you forgive me and give me a brand new start? And if that's you today, if you'd like to pray and commit your life to Christ, it'd be my honor to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Let me know who you are today. Say, pray for me. Come on, give him a big hand. Others today say, pray for me. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you. Others today say, pray for me. I, I, I want to put my trust in Christ today. I don't want to leave this church house today. God bless you. I see your hand. Anyone else? All right, let's do this. If you raised your hand, let us pray with you right now. Come over and stand by the cross right now with Pastor Travis. Come on, give him one more big hand. You that raised your hand, come. We want to pray with you. Come, let us pray with you. We want to give you something. We'll give you a Bible if you don't have one. We want to help you. Come on, give one more big hand. Several other people. Even if, if, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm putting my trust in Christ today. Maybe you've gotten away from God, and today you want to come back to God. You come, let us pray for you today. You've fallen off the track, and you want to recommit your life to Christ. Look at me just a second. Whoever, Pastor Mike's going to close the service. You can start talking to the people. Come over here just a Amen. second. You know, as we close, the altar team will be up here. Let me. But the umbrella of this whole thing of Christianity is when you have Christ, you'll have that peace. Of course, there's storms going on. But if you need to join them, if you don't really have peace in your life, if you never really ask Christ in your life, be sure to join them for this prayer so you can leave here knowing where you'll spend eternity. But the altar team coming up. They'll pray with you about anything before you go. As you leave, if you have an offering or a tithe, the ushers are at the back door. Or if you want to give to the backpacks, kids going back to the school, there's our giving centers as you leave. But... Uh, God's good, isn't he? Amen. If you're a guest, drop your Connect card uh, by the Connect room for your free gift. Otherwise, let's just worship as we go, and the altars are open if you want prayer for anything. as long as you want to.